Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast with host Elizabeth Myers, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Facebook. Tune in weekly to learn how to have a winning life by building a strong spirit, soul, and body. Hello, welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast today, where we talk about winning at life by building a stronger spirit, soul, and body. I'm your host, Elizabeth Myers, and it's so good to have you here today. I'm super excited about our guest today, Brenna Blaine. She is the host of the Can I Say That podcast, and I've listened to some of her episodes. It's very refreshing, just her honesty and willingness to tackle hard issues and to discuss things openly and from a Christian perspective. And so thank you so much for being on the show today and for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we had talked a little bit about the show beforehand that we wanted to talk about mental health topics, which is something near and dear to my heart as a person who suffered with depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So um, just tell us a little bit about your story and about how you came to be passionate about that topic. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor for a while and I knew, I knew everything there was to know about God, about the Bible. And when I was around 10 years old, my parents ended up getting separated. I ended up being molested by a stranger mm. and my grandma had passed away. So there was all this trauma in a really short amount of time that I didn't really, well, I truly didn't know how to deal with because yeah, I'm 10 a years lot old. To handle for anybody. Yeah. So uh, by the time I was in, in middle school, I was really just withdrawn from my friends and the things going on around me. I wasn't really interested in anything. Mm-hmm. I was spending a lot of time sleeping. My parents actually ended up getting back together, which is an incredible mm-hmm. story in itself. Yeah. But for me, there was just, um, yeah, I was just, I felt very lost and unable. I didn't have the language to communicate what was going on with me and what I had experienced. And mm-hmm. um, I found out what self-harming was and I started doing that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of eighth grade, my parents um, found out that I was self-harming and said, you know, um, we, we got to put you in counseling. So I was in counseling every single week for all four years of high school and I was on maybe about six different medications for depression all throughout high school and um that was hard but it was also like uh I'm an Enneagram four Mm -hmm. and so there's like a almost like a deep love for all emotions and so um it was, it was hard because it was something that was really difficult, but it was also something that was like, I don't know how I would live without this part of me if I were to be healed or whatever. Yeah. But I, out of high school, um, I ended up doing this missions program. And through that, I, I was really unconvinced um, just about the things that people said who God was and what the Bible said about God. Cause I hadn't experienced that for myself. Mm-hmm. And then I had just had this radical encounter where I feel like I met the God of the Bible and started to see his characteristics play out in my life. And, um, and I remember during that time as it, it was about six months period. Um, and I spent some time in, in a different country and I remember asking God, okay, I want you to use my life. Like I, I realize you're real. I believe you. I see you. I want you to use my life. And, I felt like God said, I'll use your life as long as you're honest. I'll use your story as long as you're honest. And so I went home and I started speaking 
just about right when I got home. And um, my, to me, my mental illness was just a season, like it was over. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited about that. And I, so I was speaking and I got engaged to my best friend and um, I was doing, I was traveling the world doing ministry and mm-hmm. all these amazing opportunities. And I got offered a job in youth ministry and I was about 22 years old. So I got married um, and I, one day it was in, it was in September before I got married in November, I had a panic attack and it was super weird because I hadn't really experienced a lot of anxiety. Um, but I knew about it cause it, people always talk about it hand in hand with depression. And, yeah. Yeah. They um, go together. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought, well, maybe this is just like a, a bad day an off day. Um, mm-hmm. because everything I could ever want in life I, I have right now. And the next day came and it was, it was the same. And then the next day and the next day, and it turned into a month. And, um, I, uh, I knew of a family friend who um, ended up committing suicide and that really affected me and and kind of um, perpetuated just these things I was feeling. So Mm -hmm. I got back on my mental health medication um, on meds for depression and I ended up getting a lot worse, which I later ended up finding out. So I, um, I didn't know I was bipolar. And so at the end of, uh, so from September to January, I stopped eating. I stopped sleeping, just barely functioning. I was thinking about death all the time. And I remember just praying to God, like, would you just heal me? Would you just take this away? And that didn't happen. And so I thought, well, there's like, there's nothing left for me. I can't operate out of this place. I'm completely empty. The only way I'll ever get better is if I die, if I, if I'm literally with Jesus. And so, um, I, I went to my office at the church and I, told my boss, I said, I'm praying about stepping down. Um, and then I went to go home to commit suicide. And I sat in my office and I couldn't go home. And it wasn't because I was scared. There's just like this thing. It, I mean, now I know it's the Holy Spirit, but I just couldn't get out of my office. Mm-hmm. And so I set a timer for 30 minutes. And when it went off, I gathered my stuff. I went to go out the door and a lady came upstairs and came straight through my door, shut the door sat down in a chair and it was one of my best friend's mom. And she looked at me and she said, do I need to take you to the hospital? And I just thought, what the heck? And (laughs) later she said she was driving home from having coffee with someone and she felt like she needed to pray for me. So she did. And when she prayed for me, she felt like God said, you need to go get her. And so she took me to the hospital. My husband met me there. I got checked in and I ended up going to a psych ward. And while I was there, um, my nurse was a Christian, which was like Mm -hmm. super weird. And then my doctor was also a Christian. It like just all these Mm -hmm. things started falling into place. And while I was there, I, I found out that I was bipolar and the mental health medication, the depression medication I was on was actually causing this months long uh, episode that I was going through. So that's why it wasn't ending. And, um, and, and so I've, I feel like I can say I've experienced anxiety, I've experienced the depression, mm-hmm. and now I know that I'm bipolar. And so um, I had never really, I'd heard pastors talk about um, being depressed and being a pastor and being anxious and being a pastor, but I'd never really heard anyone talk about being bipolar. Yeah. I've just heard the kind of Hollywood extremes. 
And for me, it was really, really important that I started to live um, this walk more publicly so that other people who can identify with me feel a sense of hope and, and not shame with their um, yeah. with their diagnosis and that they can they can walk in that too. And so that was when I was 22. I'm 25 now. I've been in mm-hmm. ministry for a while now. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> it's it's I I'm so thankful for my mental illness because it's something that has kept me dependent on God the way that nothing else ever has in my life. Right. So yeah, well, that's that's an amazing story. Just, I mean, to have God intervene in that moment, that precisely like that. It's like you know, a mm. loves you, and b he's got some great plan for you. You know, mm. I don't. Seems like it would be really hard to doubt that again. I mean, I know yeah. that mental illness is a thing, and I, I've been in that place where my I call it poisoned thinking, where my my thinking was just not straight, and I look back at you know thoughts that I had, and I'm like, man, I was just looking at it all wrong. It's like mm-hmm. my husband and I describe it as like I have the wrong color of glasses on. You know, it just colors the way I perceive everything else. Um, but I I too am thankful for doctors and medication, and um, I had kind of a similar thing. You know, I got on medication, I got better, I got off, then I tanked again, and mm-hmm. you know, then I got back on. But I I make a point to let people know that because I think that gives some other people then the freedom to say it's okay to mm-hmm. be a Christian and to be depressed or anxious. Um, I always felt like, you know, a Christian's supposed to be joyful and peaceful all the time. And here I am feeling the opposite, you know, yeah. that say about me. So uh, we can, you know, be in a good spiritual place and still struggle mentally mm. and emotionally. And I, I agree with you. I think that's a, important message to share and to overcome that stigma and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. So how did that lead in then to the podcast that you're, you're using? Yeah. So um, when I was, when I was preaching through those few months of working as a youth pastor and dealing with that anxiety, um, I, I tried to make a point every week to share some point of honesty with my students and say like this is where I'm at right now yeah to give them permission to be able to say the same but also to see like I I sometimes think that when people um, are growing up they think that their spiritual leaders don't have those problems and then maybe they panic when they get there and they have those problems but to just say no we all we all do and um so there was that and then I ended up the same, actually the same month that I was diagnosed as bipolar, found out I was pregnant. I also, I also went back to school to get my uh, bachelor's degree in theology and biblical studies. And while I was at school, there were so many things that my professors spoke to that felt like pretty taboo topics or things Mm -hmm. that the church just really hasn't, um, maybe maybe doesn't feel equipped to talk about mm-hmm. that felt so important and so um just a part of my life and i think uh there's that scripture in isaiah where it talks about um how god dwells in eternity how he takes mm-hmm. up eternity because he's so big and i always thought if god dwells in eternity if he takes up that much space like 
surely he takes up space in these little areas that we feel like are off limits to God right. or that God doesn't want to see. Mm -hmm. And so I think the combination of it all, I was like, man, I just wish the church would talk about these things, or I wish our church would do this. And um, I just felt the conviction um, of God saying, well, you can talk about them. You have a voice and you have equipment and you just do it. And so um, my husband said, yeah, you need to do it. No excuses. And mm -hmm. um, so started started asking some friends, hey, this is a really um, vulnerable topic, but I think you'd be good at sharing. Would you be willing for me to ask you questions and share about it? And um, I've had some really great friends be really good sports and allow me to ask them some yeah, deeply personal questions about deeply personal issues. Mm -hmm. And we've, um, I, I think it, this, the podcast has grown such a unique and beautiful community of, um, I know there are some non-believers who listen and there are some believers who feel like they're on the fringes that listen. And then there are some maybe very involved believers that listen. And it's, it's so, it's just, I just feel like there's such a call from God on us to be honest, because that's our testimony, right? And when people yeah. hear a testimony that they can identify with, then they get to see what God has done. Mm -hmm. And they and that doesn't happen until we're honest. And so yeah. the honest conversations are super important to me. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, just the importance of the authenticity that we have to others lets others see God's glory and his strength mm -hmm. in our times of weakness. And I, I agree with you. I feel like the, the church or Christians as a whole are kind of we like to put on the mask of everything's okay, <laughs> you know, and um, you know, there's kind of this, Oh, I've got to be cheerful or be, you know, on all the time. And I, mm -hmm. I struggled with my depression longer than I needed to because I wouldn't go get help because, you know, because of the stigma and the shame. And because I thought, well, I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to be struggling with this and yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. And thinking that people in church would really think I was some kind of hypocrite or something mm -hmm. that I did. But part of my, stepping out to to get help and get recovery was I went to my pastor and his wife and I'm like I'm depressed I'm mm. having doubts about God I don't you know I just don't know how to deal with any of this and they were so sweet and and prayed with me and you know encouraged me and told me some you know she told me some struggles that she had had about a, mm. a similar kind of a topic and it was just it was so nice to be embraced by the church and by Christian leadership when I felt like I was doing something that was or I was feeling a way that was against how Christians were. Mm. But I think I, I agree with you. We need to get that message out more so that other people feel free then to step up and say, Hey, me too. You know, I've got this going on because Jesus can help any of those mm. things. He's not, there's nothing that he yeah. can't touch. Like you said, how is that? How have you seen that impact other people's lives? When you open up with your authentic self, how do people respond to that? You know, um, I think the thing that I've appreciated or um, just found as like a really, I don't know, beautiful honor um, mm -hmm. is that people have felt able to share um, with me about some of the hard things that they've gone through or some of the big questions that they have. And I don't, I don't know what it is about it, but there's just something so beautiful and, and you get to learn from other people when they say like, this is what I'm struggling with right now. Or these are, these are the doubts that I have. 
And then, um, I mean, some of those those conversations have even led to other podcast episodes where I've gone, oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, thank you for sharing because that's not something I'm super aware of in my life. It's been like really hopeful or yeah, I guess just encouraging and that people would let me in so that I can have yeah. a better, better vision mm-hmm. for what to do. Yeah. I, I've seen that too. When I take the initiative to say, hey, this is my story. This is what I've struggled with. And then other people feel open to share their thing and, and we can talk about it. In my case, I lost my son in the second trimester mm-hmm. and it's, you know, they say statistics, these mm-hmm. types of things happen to one in four women, but we never talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I really had a hard time finding somebody else to that would allow me to open up about that because it's not really a topic people feel comfortable talking about. They don't know how to respond and they don't. So I just feel like the more we talk about our stuff, the more that gives other people the freedom to talk about their stuff. And that's helpful when we mm-hmm. drag those things out into the light, it's, yeah. you know, they kind of diminish some. Mm-hmm. I think also that we can be, you know, more sensitive to one another that way. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think there's so much, um, I, I mean, I just think, I think about this last election and just like how crazy mm-hmm. everything has been. But then um, just being able to sit down and listen to why people, um, I don't want to get too political on here, but why people vote a certain way. Yeah. Because I think we often are like, that's the wrong way to vote. But then when we hear their story and how maybe this party has represented um people who have lives like them and people who yeah. look like them it's much more easy to understand and be like okay i think i totally miss that i totally miss the humanity of this situation that would be so valuable if we would all do that more often unfortunately it gets reduced down to kind of shouting at each other on mm-hmm. facebook or something uh but oh we we just need those richer conversations and so i that's what's beautiful i think about your your podcast is you know, maybe people aren't courageous enough to have that conversation in real life, or maybe they don't know somebody with that issue or don't know somebody who's willing to listen to their issue, but they can listen to the conversations that you're having with your guests and, um, you know, feel included in Mm -hmm. a way part of that, you know, virtually. Mm -hmm. So um, I can see how that's really impactful and really helpful to people. Mm, Thank you. How do you, how do you think, um, you know, how can we do better as in church, as Christians of just being more authentic, being more real, you know, being willing to address all the things? I think there's this interesting, uh, like pastor centric outlook in the Western church where every Sunday, or maybe you go on Saturday night, wherever, whenever you go to church, yeah. it's like, worship and then the pastor gets up and talk and then that's kind of it Mm -hmm. and i always thought you know it'd be so interesting if every single service you had someone else from the congregation share their testimony in like a three to five minute video at the top of the service or at the because it gives us a different perspective it gives us a, a different maybe um maybe you go to church where just men speak so then maybe you get to hear a woman's testimony and how um god has looked through her um, through her life, or maybe you get to hear someone young, maybe you get to hear someone who grew up in poverty, maybe you get to hear someone who um, went through addiction, just there's so many different options, mm-hmm. um, or not even options, that, 
there's so many different stories just sitting in your church. Yeah. And there really are people who are willing to share. And I think if we did that, um, and I also think we're able to do that through community and community groups. But I think if we did that, the church would become a lot more self-aware because I think oftentimes it's like I go in and it's like, okay, what am I going to get from the pastor? Mm -hmm. And I forget that it's like, I'm a part of a body right. and we proclaim the, the name of Jesus and we're his hands and feet, which means we have to do stuff and pursue justice and all these things. Um, and I think, I think we forget about it on mm -hmm. Sundays. Um, yeah. and, and I think if there was just more open conversations and more invitations for people to share their testimony, Mm -hmm. we would start to have um, just a much bigger picture of who the body of Christ really is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, just to get that pretty mosaic of mm. the amazing way that he works in every individual life. Every story is unique. Mm -hmm. um, and I think too, some this pastor centric, I like that word. I hadn't thought of that word before, <laughs> but, but you're right. And I think too, that puts a lot of burden on those who are in leadership in ministry of they got to do it all themselves and people show up to be fed or to be mm. entertained or whatever. Um, and kind of, there's this idea that the paid staff should do it all. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, sharing that load would be nice. Mm. I was a speaker once at a women's retreat mm -hmm. and the pastor's wife had um, asked different people to give their testimony each time before I spoke. And I was just so amazed at how God worked all that out that it fit right together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we hadn't talked ahead of time. We hadn't coordinated. I didn't know who was speaking, had no idea what their stories were. Um, but each time it just fit right in. And there was one time even, um, you know, I was kind of looking over my notes beforehand. I'm like, something is missing from this talk. Like I'm missing some big chunk that that's mm. important. That I, and, you know, I kept praying about it. I'm like, Lord, tell me what it is. And I kind of just felt him say, you know, just, just go on. It'll be fine. Not really giving me an answer. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't make me feel any better. Yeah. But um, the woman who spoke before me had this, uh, you know, just very passionate story about her relationship with her father and mm. ultimately the forgiveness that she had for him. Mm. And I was like, that's the piece that was missing. It was forgiveness. Mm. And I just love it how God didn't give me that piece. He gave it to somebody else. Yeah, it, it took the two of us being willing, being brave to share our stories together. Mm. You know, that was just such a powerful lesson to me. To you know, God doesn't just give the whole enchilada to one person. Yeah, he, he gives us all pieces, and we're supposed to bring them together and share mm. them. So I love I that love that idea. Mm. What other ideas do you have to revolutionize church? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I don't. It's such a funky time right now, right? Because it is. Everything's weird. COVID. I think my biggest encouragement right now is um, just to still pursue community, not use virtual church as an excuse to not pursue community. And it's hard. And I mean, some people are so sick of like Zoom and we have our community group on Zoom and it's awkward and it's um, sometimes it's weird. But my mom always says um, when you're in community, it's a place where you are called to accountability. And especially if you're in um, like, I I'm a speaker, but I'm not on staff at a church. And so um, like, I really do crave and need accountability in, um, in, in a, in a bigger sense. And, um, and I get that from that group and I get that from, 
other Christian community around me. Small groups in churches or, you know, Bible study clusters or, you know, whatever they're called, just to have that interaction throughout the week or, you know, that text of I'm thinking of you yeah. or pray for me or mm -hmm. what have you. When we just meet somebody on Sunday and then we leave, mm -hmm. we're disconnected all week and then we come back yeah. next Sunday, you, you just can't really build that kind of relationship right. in that venue. Yeah. And it becomes, I think community groups are also helpful because, um, I mean, at least we work through those questions, like questions about the sermon and I, sometimes it can feel cheesy, but I think what that also does is it, it takes it from like, what can I get from my pastor to like, am I actually living this out? Like, do I actually believe this? Um, what do I think about this? And then I think, on another note, something that I love about community within churches is that, you know, you could have like a, a single guy who's 19 in a community group with a couple who's been married for 55 years. Mm -hmm. And you're getting all these different perspectives about the sermon, about the biblical text that you wouldn't naturally get. Like I wouldn't naturally hang out with a couple who'd been married for 55 mm -hmm. years. Like that's not my normal community. Yeah. But in church, it is. It is my normal community. Mm -hmm. And then I think um, the the community group we just joined, they have um, like a they have a really cool focus on we want to go and serve together at some point mm -hmm. and like serve yeah. regularly together. And mm -hmm. um, I think it just really puts like the Great Commission into practice. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we're just going into church on Sundays, it's kind of mm -hmm. this consumer mindset. Right, exactly. And I think it's easier to to invite someone new to a smaller group is less intimidating, you know, if it's mm -hmm. in a home or whatever, then, you know, maybe if they're not comfortable in a church, yeah, it would be an easier way to, to introduce a new person. But we were uh, part of a really big church when we lived in the DC area. Mm. And um, so, you know, small groups in a, in a big church are super important. Otherwise, yeah. you just get lost in a sea of people. But so we, uh, we had five going on six kids at the time. And so we joined the group that says, said they were the thirties, you know, people in their thirties, yeah. they were kind of split up by age. So we got in this group and we were there for several months and great, wonderful people. But we started to realize like none of them had young children and they were mm -hmm. all dealing with aging parents or, you know, kids in college. And we're just like, why, why are we the only ones with young children? Why are we? Mm -hmm. And then we realized that the group was the thirties group 20 years ago when they formed it <laughs> and they had all aged together, but they never updated the group setting. That's and so they're hilarious. like, Oh, you need to go to the family builders group. And so we switched groups and I'm like, Oh, here's all the people with kids our age. <laughs> you know, they had kid friendly things and stuff like that. So I, I do like what you're saying about the mix and mm -hmm. I have been in those groups too, but in this particular case, finding our right group yeah. was, was kind of an important aspect. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. I think, you know, there's a couple couples in our group that are our age with kids our age. And then there's a few that are older and more spread out. And um, I think finding those people that you identify with that make you comfortable in the group that you can relate to really good. And then finding those people kind of adjacent to you in different um, life seasons is, right. is just as helpful. It is. Cause I think we tend to clump together with people who are just like us. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not, I don't think that's helpful for any, I mean, whether we're Christians or not or whatever, we, you know, we hang out with the people with the same political ideas or the mm -hmm. same interests. And uh, we really need more of that crosstalk and diversity. I think that would help us understand each other better. Yes. 
Yes, I fully agree. Going back, you know, to the beginning where we started with, uh, you know, mental health and in the church and all that. Mm -hmm. Can can you think back over your journey of like people or or a situation that was very helpful to you? Something that you know where a person reached out, or obviously the lady who came to your office and obeyed mm -hmm. that prompting from the Lord. Um, but just as we try to support people among us who are maybe struggling with stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have some ideas of how, how best to support people who are in that time of hurting? Yeah. I'm, my first piece of advice is always, always, always encourage the uh, pursuing therapy. Um, I think, especially if you have kids in your house that are struggling with mental illness, like mm -hmm. as a parent, you are not a licensed therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, and it would be a conflict of interest if you were. So mm -hmm. um, for me, it was someone, when my parents put me in counseling, it was someone that I knew I could have a, an honest conversation with, that they wouldn't start crying, um, that they wouldn't freak out about the thoughts that I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really helpful that I had that um, an opportunity to have those conversations every single week. Mm. Um, I also think, and this is a, more of a personal thing, but I also, the more people I've talked to who have gone through depression, anxiety, and people who've been grieving as well, mm -hmm. is um, I, I don't need people to look for the silver lining for me. I need people who are going to say, I'm, this really sucks. Yeah. And I'm so sorry this happened. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine um, going through this. Like, mm -hmm. I just... Um, I don't need a push in, well, the Bible, God knows what he's doing and everything happens. Well, it's like, okay, I know that, but that's not where I'm at right now. And um, I do think there are really good biblical examples of that through the Psalms and through just how people grieved in the Old Testament and how communities grieved in the Old Testament. And so I would say um, it's okay to say to someone who is in that spot, like, this sucks. I'm so sorry. Like, that's yeah. not going to be a bummer. At least for mm -hmm. me, I've always felt seen when someone says that. Mm -hmm. And I think when I've had other comments, I know that they've meant well, but I've almost felt looked past yeah. um, rather than seen. So you can't really receive that kind of silver lining message from somebody until they've kind of validated the pain mm -hmm. first, at least. Um, yeah, that's I, I think some people get caught up in that because they don't know what to say. And, and I understand that. But I don't think we even need words necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's just a hug or I recently I was on an airplane and the woman next to me, like right after they closed the doors and everything's quiet and we're getting ready to pull back. She got a call that her son passed away. Oh. Um, he had been in a car accident a couple of days mm -hmm. prior and she was flying across the country to go see him. And she wasn't mm -hmm. able to get there before he passed away. And so, I mean, you know, her reaction, you can imagine, it was every bit as dramatic as you would expect someone mm -hmm. in that depth of grief to experience in that moment. But uh, I just, I switched seats because my husband was sitting next to her and I just put my arm around her. We just cried together. Mm. Um, you know, there are no words. There's nothing that's going to make her feel better in that moment. And she shouldn't, you know, she needs to process and feel that pain. But so for the next three hours, we sat next to each other and, um, I just let her, you know, she would go from uh, sobbing uncontrollably to looking at his pictures on her phone to telling mm -hmm. a funny joke or an off-color story or, mm -hmm. you know, then to ranting about politics. or And I just, you know, it says, the Bible says, weep with those who weep and rejoice. Mm -hmm. rejoice. And so I just followed her lead on her emotions. Um, 
And the only reason I was equipped to do that is because I've been in that place where I was grieving and people didn't know how to respond. And I'm like, just grieve with me. Just, mm -hmm. I love even with Job, you know, his friends come and they sit down with him for, mm -hmm. his I can't remember how many days they sit down in silence and then they open up and start doing their preaching at him stuff. But at least in the beginning, they just sat and cried with him. Yeah. I had a miscarriage about six weeks ago oh, and I remember sorry. feeling um, we decided to just be on, like tell people about it, post mm -hmm. on social media that had happened. We hadn't shared that we were pregnant yet. And mm -hmm. just the amount of people who were like, Hey, I left something at your door. You don't need to come out and mm -hmm. you don't need to come talk to me. I just want you to feel seen and how, um, how, yeah, how seen I felt just from that yeah. and just from and my mom came over like every single day for a week yeah. just to be there. And um, yeah, sometimes words don't cut it and sometimes words make it more messy. And I think there's something so beautiful and honest and healthy for us when we allow ourselves to grieve and, and we need to become comfortable with being uncomfortable with the grief. Right just expressing that and that it's okay like you said in the psalms mm -hmm. so what would be your message to uh, the person that was about helping other people what if the person listening is is in that situation is struggling with mental health of panic attacks mm -hmm. or depression mm -hmm. or a diagnosis or you know not getting mm -hmm. the medicine quite right sometimes it takes a while to get things adjusted you know what would you yeah. what advice you already mentioned get therapy mm -hmm. um, what other things could you encourage that person listening with um, I think recognizing, I uh, I think sometimes we want to deny everything, like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not that bad, or like other people have it worse, but recognizing like you, your life is worth getting help, like you are worth getting help. Yes. Um, and that, you know, maybe, um, maybe if your meds aren't quite right, like continuing to have those conversations with your doctor, mm -hmm. maybe if you can't get into therapy, like it is really helpful to go see um, your physician and just say like, these are the thoughts and feelings I'm experiencing. Um, and then just creating a community of people around you that know. Um, and again, I'm, I'm a huge uh, advocate for allowing your therapist to be your therapist and not putting that on your friends or family, but I'm also a huge advocate for healthy honesty and being able to say like, Hey, I'm not okay. So I do need accountability um, that I'll go and see the, the doctor that I need to see, or that I'll go and talk about the meds I need to talk about. Mm -hmm. And um, I've had that with my family and with um, my mentor and, and that's been extremely helpful. And I, yeah. I, it's tempting to be like shamed about it. Um, but I think the more, um, the more I've gotten to know God and also the more I've realized that like my family and my friends love me and this isn't like, they don't see me as mentally ill. They see me, um, they see me as, as Brenna and I have real struggles just like them and um, that it's so worth pursuing. And of course, having children that you yeah. are supposed to take care of like every day. I'm like, mm -hmm. Yep. I need to be healthy so I can take care of my son. So, yep. Yep. That was me. It was my children that got me out of bed every day. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I would have stayed in bed. <laughs> yep. Because, but I, you know, I love what you said. And also it just, it takes courage 
to just take those steps to go. So having that supportive system around you to, you know, hold you accountable or to say, mm -hmm. Hey, you can do this. Um, especially when you're already in a weakened state, even just getting help can seem mm -hmm. like a bridge too far some days. So, um, I really like that you said, you know, to surround yourself with that supportive community. I think that's, that's critical. Yeah. I remember just, um, when I checked into the hospital that first time, my, my husband came, my friend's mom was there, and then two of my friends came and my parents came. Mm. And that, like, I want, I think I wanted to be embarrassed, but it was like, everyone was like, you did, like, you did what you needed to do. And now you're here and now you're safe and now you're going to get answers. Mm -hmm. And I felt so loved that people wanted to come be with me in that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining yeah. us today. And uh, for those who are listening, please check out more from Brenna at her podcast. Can I say that? Also, you said you like to to post on Instagram. Is that yeah. right? Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I post most of my speaking stuff on Instagram. Okay. And your handle for that is? At bun on my head. Yes. Okay. Awesome. That makes it easy for people to remember so that they can come find you and listen to more of your wisdom. And mm -hmm. thank you so much for your courage to be honest about your story and about the things that you discuss and encouraging others to be honest. I just think this is so critical for people who are struggling, for people who are trying to help those people, for church people, for our nation right now, when we're so divided on so many things, it's just, we need this in mm -hmm. so many so many ways. So thank you for being obedient to God's call on your life. You're, you're a blessing to many. Thank you so much. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast today. If you haven't done so already, hop over to iTunes and uh, give us a review and a, a like, and that helps us to get this message of hope and healing out to even more people. So thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week. You have been listening to Resilient Life Hacks with host Elizabeth Myers. If you like the show and want to know more, check out elizabethmyers.me forward slash RLH podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, just fill out the form on that webpage so we can connect. Your honest review on iTunes is a tremendous help to sharing this message of hope with more hurting souls. Don't forget to join us next week when we talk about more hacks for a resilient life. Until next time, stand strong. Hold on to hope and love others like Jesus does.